0: Welcome to Toffee Blue View, your source for all things Everton. I am Jerry. I'm joined today by uh, by Max, uh, who is, well, let's let's be honest, he's usually here, you know? Yeah. It's <laughs> Sadly, Max hears my voice in his sleep. <laughs> I'm really sorry, Max. I'm really sorry. Uh, no, don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, so today we are recording this on Thursday. <clears throat> And it is deadline day. It's currently uh, six twenty-six uh, British time. Uh, the deadline is fast approaching, closing down. It's it's been a bit slow, Max.
1: Yeah, it has. It's been it's been a weird couple of days for the football club in general. I feel mm. obviously you've got the the loss to Southampton, which no one really expected. You had the horrible, horrible FA Cup exit which bitted everyone almost. Yes. And you've got this weird 1-0 win where it feels like there's more negatives than positives, but mm-hmm. you need to be grateful anyway because we're back among winning ways and that's what you really want. Uh, but yeah, as you say, in terms of deadline day, Gay's not leaving tonight. To me personally, I-, I wasn't expecting any in, so that's a positive. And we've got you know a room and a couple of outgoings that are yet to be confirmed. But uh, that's good news. And, uh, you know, come the end of the day, if they're the outgoings and Gay stays, I'll be a happy man.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that is assuming Gay definitely stays. It's everything is pointing toward him staying right now. So Max and I are operating under the assumption that that Gay is is going to still be wearing blue when this day is over. Um Despite the rumors that he's already in, yeah the the the, the royal <laughs> the, the royal we no, uh, so yeah that's uh, we're operating under the assumption that that's going to be the case despite the fact that there's rumors that he's already in Paris trying to work out a deal. You never that's the thing about deadline day. You never know what's actually real. What's what's people just trying to get clicks um, because yeah. when you have an industry based on clicks inevitably, click-baiting is going to happen.
1: Yeah, I remember all of them. I think it was 2011, so of them, years ago. I remember Mikel Arteta leaving on deadline day, and that was, that was my first proper experience of having my heart broken over a player leaving. Like, I was gutted about Rooney, but I was still quite relatively young. But once you see the impact that such an important player has leaving when you haven't got a ready-made replacement, particularly in January as well, like... If we're to let go, Gay go in the summit, I wouldn't have as many qualms about it. But to, to you know to let him go, we haven't really got another player in his ilk,
0: yeah.
1: or or, or look to figure to bring anyone in, other than the Michi Bashway, which I still don't think is going to happen. And, but yeah, I, I just want Gay to stay to be honest. I know a lot of people have conceded, that oh, he's twenty nine years of age and he doesn't provide much going forward. But I think you'd see very quickly how much he provides defensively when he's out of the team.
0: Yeah. Um I it would take a lot for us to be able to somehow summon a replacement really quickly if Gay does go out the door. There are rumors of uh Tiago Mendez uh over there at Lille. Um I watched a little a little bit on little, some videos on him last night and early today uh just getting a feel for what kind of player he is because there were rumors that he's waiting on us before he makes a decision about his future i thought that was interesting uh Mm. just a strange little time the whole just gay thing has been weird um and and so i think right now max and i will just we're just going to assume he's staying uh however I think uh, there's a great deal of Evertonians that had a, a brief heart attack when headlines came out that said that uh, at a time when when we have uh, our starting left back out for a red card suspension and our backup dealing with an injury and you see the headline Kuka Martina recalled from loan and everybody just had a minor little wee, you know what I mean? Just a little, just a little, just a little, just two drops of wee. You know, that got everybody like, oh my God, seriously. And uh, only to find out he's coming back from Stoke just to go back to uh, Feenord, uh mm. to be eventually made permanent. So, good Thank move. you, myself. Yeah. Turned from, uh, you know, a little bit of wee to a little bit of glee. Hey! You know. I'm here all night, folks. Uh, mm. so, also, um, Yala, Bolasi, um... Heading to Anderlecht on loan. Uh, yeah, I can't imagine that, they're going to be getting much, many of his uh, wages. But, know, but
1: apparently Romelu Lukaku's is in a good word. So agent Rom, yeah, nice one, lad. <laughs> Still don't really like it, but nice one for them.
0: Yeah, yeah. Still trying to figure out what I think about that guy. But hey, we'll <laughs> we'll, we'll take we'll take it on that one for now. And uh, the rumors that uh, Fiorentina want to make the Morales. Uh, loan permanent that could just be rumors again but the other two the previous ones we said are 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 supposedly definite so good things um potential uh, i'd say addition by subtraction if that's the way all that shapes up um and i anticipate some more outgoings before the end of everything Mm -hmm. um so yeah and if you guys are listening to this on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and you're like, hey, these guys didn't know about, about all this stuff happening. Yeah, that's right. We didn't know. All right? So remember, we recorded this Thursday hours before deadline closed. All right? Just throwing that out there. So um, it's a shorter show today. Uh, we are going to, uh, just to summarize things for the podcast listeners out there, we're going to start by reacting. It's a delayed reaction to the, uh, the Huddersfield win from uh from tuesday uh kind of an ugly win uh but sometimes when you're when it's the dark times the ugly wins uh they're necessary so we're gonna do a react to that got some talking points there then we're gonna do a little wolves preview talk about uh, i mean it's a if you care about seventh in the table it's kind of a big game so i had to what preface horrible, it like that but what a horrible statement that was you know what i mean how, how how pointless is this season though? <laughs> oh, it's Uh-oh. it's such a bizarre time where I think a lot of us just are not completely sure how to feel you know there are arguments about when we're supposed to be able to want everton to win you know mm-hmm. the arguments on on social media right now oh man it's it's just a weird time but we're gonna preview that one. Anyway, uh, just to kind of, you know, who knows? We show up, put in a good performance there. You know, frankly, seventh might be enough for uh, for Europa League if we actually, you know, put together a little consistency. I have no idea if we're going to see that though. Um, and lastly, for for Max's health, and I would say for mine, we will take take it away for the podcast only segment and a pod exclusive. We're going to talk about. Uh, football in the U.S. Not American football with the pads and the oblong and the dudes hitting each other with helmets and talking about what we would call in America soccer. I would call it football if I could. It's just really confusing if I do whatever. So anyway, Max actually knows a decent amount about just world football in general. So we're going to talk. Se- I'll give him several talking points and he'll pick, allow him to kind of pick and choose what he wants to talk about. Because frankly talking about Everton sometimes uh, yeah, it can feel yeah. a little torturous so we're gonna take it away. I mean if it feels that way for us we're sure there are other people out there like that as well. So we're gonna talk about just football in, in America because uh, we're interested in that kind of stuff because um, hell I I live here. So uh, <laughs> so uh, let's let's react. It's a delayed reaction to the Huddersfield win, 1-0. Max, it's an ugly win. Yeah, it was. How much... It was bit... Oh, sorry, go, go ahead. On.
1: I I was just going to say, right, I thought very similar to the Lincoln game in that we came out first couple of minutes and absolutely stormed them. Looked to be fair to every ball, obviously got that early goal. And then, I don't know, the momentum just just didn't seem to take off, did it? And mm. then particularly after half time it just seemed to be on a downward spiral next thing you know you, you know you, your left back you've started is injured and, and, and his replacements just got sent off and I must applaud Luca Dean for that by the way thank you thank you Luca that the shithouse that he was needed yeah but, um, <laughs> yeah so we're in a conundrum with the left back situation all of a sudden it's, you know we're, we're thrown back in the deep end with that and coming away from the game as I said earlier you feel like there's more negatives than positives but you know, in in this case, three points is what we needed.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask one of my questions I've got written down here about the Dina red card being worth it uh, despite his uh, his one-game suspension because I believe those type of fouls are one game rather than violent conduct, which I think carries three. I believe, oh, they, right. I believe there's a I, difference uh, in suspension there.
1: The way the rules have changed over the past couple of years, it it's, is very confusing. It's every that? year. I, I, <laughs> I I assumed with it being a straight red I, I did assume it'd be the three games. So, I did too you know, at first. Good because um we've we have got quite a few tough games coming up, so you know, the sooner he's back in the side the better and you know the quicker Leighton Baines recovers fitness, the better mm-hmm. I suppose.
0: Hard to say exactly how serious his, his injury is at the moment. It was, was it was it his ankle? I couldn't tell. Because that's what gave him trouble giving him trouble the over, pa- over the past year. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what a good question. I don't know yet. I do not know yet. Everton Luch. Yeah. Well, I will say John Joe Kenny came in and didn't really supply a lot going forward, but he wasn't really in the opportunity to do that anyway. You know what I mean? No. Um we were we were a man down and he just played stout defense. Yeah. And you you go.
1: got to commend you got to commend the players on the pitch when they're meant to, and the ten men—it's not in that The performance. I mean, we shouldn't be ten men. You know, the, the, the entire the entire game sneaking away with a one-nil from bottom of the league. You know, particularly after the run of form that we've been on, you'd say on 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 paper that isn't good enough. But you factored in it was Jan Seaworth's first game as manager.
0: Yep.
1: The Huddersfield players would be up for it, and you know that certainly seemed to be the case because they they ramped up their physicality and. We had to contend with that, yeah. um, as you mentioned. You know, John Joe Kenny is one of them that, that you know managed to maintain that well, and you know it, the the game takes on a, a different a different dimension almost because then you look at the performances of, uh, for example, Tom Davies, who people are talking about a lot lately, and that was an excellent performance. Yep.
0: Yeah. Um, dealing with Davies, okay. You've been saying it for weeks. I'm going to give you credit. Don't tell anybody I did this, all right? But <laughs> the the shifting of a formation, okay? Because it didn't look like they were doing this, working with the same formational setup that they have in the past. It looked more like uh, either four-three-three or four-one-four-one, where you saw Tom Davies able to get forward and actually make those runs and actually contribute around the box, which is something we've needed. We've needed yeah. an additional contributor around the box, so we can actually start putting some attack in in that area, rather than always bombing the wings and cutting in. Mm. And that and that formation move actually saw Sigurdsson drop back a little bit.
1: Yeah, but actually, actually get
0: involved more <coughs> as well.
1: Yeah, it that's that's an the form of Guilfi Sigurdsson at the moment's an interesting one. Mm. I. I, you know, I, I value I value him very much in this Everton side, but at the present moment, I just don't feel like he's playing. You know, by by his usual compared to his usual standard, I don't think he's playing as well. So, in you know, in that instance, the you know the shifting of the formation, allowing Davies to to go beyond them uh, and try and break the lines, it, it boded well because, for example, in the first half, Davies' attacking performance was you know fantastic, mm-hmm. and then as I said earlier. For example, when you go down to 10 men, the, the, you know, the game changes and you've got to shoulder that defensive responsibility. And I thought he did that exceptionally well, particularly against a side like Huddersfield, who are going to try and wind you up and try and out-muscle you. So, you know, for a young lad to be doing that. I mean, it's, people, people forget, right, he's 20 years old. You know, he's got a lot of room to grow. And I think now we'll get a run in the side than he will do.
0: He seemed a lot less naive with the ball. The way you know in the past he'll he'll be a little overly ambitious with some of his passing, uh, trying to thread the needle too often. Uh, However, it seemed like he was very much under control, uh, making smarter decisions, kind of knowing when to risk.
1: Yeah, and I think it's it you know what it seems to be what the cool kids say these days to have a pop up Marco Silva, but I think that's down to Marco Silva as well. I think. His football and philosophy is translated well to a player like Davies. You know that you know that forward thinking, attacking intent, which I always think you know it's been in Davies's game, and he just needed the right right manager to unpick it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he showed glimpses of it under Ronald Koeman, and you know didn't really do so. You know after Koeman went, but now you know I got a lot of um, got a lot of hope from that performance.
0: Yeah. I mean I, he's still young, and one of the things we've noticed with the, a lot of these young players that we have consistency issues <clears throat> It's just the young the young folks they come in they put in a really good game. I don't expect him to to uh, for this to be the corner. you know what I mean? Just one corner turned is overly simplified I think it's a complex thing a young kid kind of coming into their own um uh, and, and a lot of people are come, you know, saying, "Oh, it was just against Huddersfield, whatever." And yeah, we'll keep that in mind. We have perspective, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, there's context here. I understand that. I'm sure you get that, Max. Um, however, it's still a Premier League opponent.
1: Yeah, and he's not exactly in a controlled environment. He's in an absolute shipwreck, shipwreck of a football club at the moment. You know, you see some of these t- top end talents which Davies was getting bandied in and about, you know, the likes of the and Mbappe's, etc. They are in teams that are very well-balanced and stable Mm -hmm. and able to compensate, uh, you know, having a young player in their side. If they make a mistake, it doesn't really matter because they're in such an efficient, well-schooled system Mm -hmm. that, you know, they can allow that. Davies, you know, because of how... I I can't even think of the right word... Just how how rotated we've been as the as squad and the starting eleven over the past couple of years hadn't really allowed Davies to have, you know, the time to bed to bed and settle in. Obviously, you know, we've seen that he had a run of games out of the squad, but now I feel like you know, he's, as I said earlier, I think he's bought into the way Marco Silva wants to play football. Um, I think he probably quick, picked up on it a lot quicker than some of the other lads in the squad, mm. but. Yeah, I feel like, as you say, saying he's turned the corner is oversimplifying it because there's still a lot of games to go. I think, uh, you know, the next indicator to look at is how he plays in a big game, for example. And um, we've certainly got a few of them coming up over the next like, couple of weeks.
0: We do. And it's really so, hard to see, to figure out how Silva's going to approach that moving forward if he's got Adrissa Gay at his disposal. Exactly. And if for some but, reason he doesn't, but that's a different world.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but as you say, with the uh, the alternation of the formation against Huddersfield and seeing just how promising Davies is when he does get in, into those advanced positions, mm. maybe this is the the alarm bell to say, you know what, maybe Sigurdsson needs a rest and we can roll with Davies in that number ten position and see what he brings. Because, and I feel like this is the point we need to bring up as well. A lot of other players, I think. When Cheng Tosin's in the squad, he drags up the standard of the players around him, which, as I've, I've, I've said plenty of times, I feel like he's more of a playmaker forward. Mm-hmm. In that, you know, he, he he gets other players involved in the game, and he was involved in that build-up play for Richarlison's goal. So, yeah, uh, particularly with his goal against Millwall, I do think he's going to get a run in the game now, and that will bode well for other players.
0: That was the next player I was going to mention. Cheng Tosin having a, a scrappy... Like uh, just just snidey game, and uh, it wasn't all just him. He was getting clattered. Uh, people just kind of colliding into him, almost trying to rile him up. Uh, and it worked a little bit, but I actually saw a little bit of a veteran calm. It could have been worse.
1: Yeah, no, I thought it was great to see him hold his own mm-hmm. against against you know that type of opponent. Because how many times have we said that? The reason why he hasn't hit the hit the ground running, and the reason why he hasn't took off, is that he just he doesn't seem to seem to be able to hold his own or, or create chances for himself. But as you say, seem to be you know a veteran like ability about his game now. Mm-hmm. Where if the centre half's having a go, he'll have a go as well. Yeah, he might have, end up on a yellow card, but if he can ride the game out as he did until he got taken off, that's really good. Mm-hmm. And. Given how inconsistent we've been, in particular, in, in the centre forward position, for him to get a goal against Millwall, for him to put in a performance like that and be involved in the build-up, play for a goal, as yeah, that, I think that warrants the starting position.
0: Seems like he wanted to be there. He was really, he he wanted. He, he looked like somebody who wanted to grab an opportunity.
1: You yeah, know, he knew that,
0: he I, had an opportunity, which I love seeing somebody do that.
1: I I don't think that's ever been in question about Tosin. No, I just think it's his consistency in his performances, and fingers crossed. That, you know, this is the time now where the performances start to come mm-hmm. through. You know, you, you think about the goal, as I said, the involvement in the in Richardson's goal. You know, they are all, all good indicators. It's just playing like that against the top teams mm-hmm. for me. If you look back at his goals that he scored, they've not necessarily been up against. I think. The only top half opposition that he scored against was Burnley last season. And if you look at them now,
0: yeah. uh, you know, well, and, that
1: doesn't tell you much.
0: And Tosin has had opportunities to score this season. And he has not been clinical. He has had opportunities. It has just not come through for him. And a guy like that who is, who, who, when other people do set him up and when he does have opportunities, the thing we need from him is a clinical finish. That mm. is that is absolutely imperative. And when he's not finishing for us uh, the, the the what scant opportunities he is getting, that's a problem, you know, because uh, we need that veteran calm. We need that veteran head. You know, it's got to happen. Um, having said that, I've always loved the guy's attitude. Uh, I've been questioning whether or not he really fits Silva's system. At this point, I'm wondering if Silva's going to switch up some systems, though, that's something to consider moving forward for the rest of the season. I'm not yeah. sure. Um, Want to finish up? Pickford looked, uh, looked up for it.
1: Good. I'm, I'm glad you made note because without Pickford, we wouldn't have won that game.
0: Nope.
1: He made a few absolutely fantastic saves. In particular, the free kick from the um, Luka Dean foul which saw him get sent off. That you know,
0: mm-hmm. that
1: save was absolutely spectacular, and, and he, he did make a few. He, and I, I don't, I don't mean to sound like I'm asking too much of him, but he, I've just come to expect that from Jordan Pickford now. I, I just, I, I believe he's England's best goalkeeper, and he should be doing that week in week out for his club. And barring the odd mistake, which we know he has, and he does come out with, he does save us points as well.
0: Yeah. And, well, th- there just needs th- – I feel like we had a stretch there where he wasn't surprising us. I think that when we get surprised with a good save, that's nice because we get to a point where we're almost spoiled with it. Mm-hmm. You know, he was making good save after good save, and we're like, ah, he's got it. And then we had this stretch where – Mistakes. It, yeah. There were mistakes. And additionally, there were just – save the saves he made, we were like they, – they were they were basic saves. You know, uh, they weren't like those where you're like, "Oh, damn, I need to rewind that." <laughs> mm. You know, but uh, some of the some of the work that he did on Tuesday, I think even the uh, the opposing manager said that he was already ready to celebrate on that header. Um, mm. So yeah, it's you know credit credit to him for kind of trying to get himself past all the mistakes, trying to get himself past. I mean. You've got to dig out of it. The players that don't dig out of it are, are just mentally are not not cut out for the league if they can't dig themselves out of it because some of them can't. They hit that rough mm. patch and they're out and they're done, you know. Yeah. But I was glad. I'm still I'm still on the fence. I think his his distribution. One second it looks just world class, and the next second he's slamming it out of bounds. It's almost like he's a little. It's something I noticed. I think Silva encourages these guys. To try to make the crazy perfect pass, and I think yeah. sometimes he's overly ambitious about some of those passes. You know, I
1: think I think as we develop as a counter-attacking team, Jordan Pickford's distribution will improve. I, I think it would I, have like, to, right? I like nine. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but like nine times out of ten, the player on the end of that killer ball is Bernard, and you know exactly what he does with it. He kills it perfectly with one touch and mm. starts mate, you know, going on a meet some amazing run trying to take out defenders like once we start having a better idea of who the forward line is um, you know what our capabilities are of hitting teams on the counter attack which me personally I would love to see us you know mould an identity around being a counter attacking team because I think when Everton do that that's when Everton are at the best but as I say we're not exactly yet there yet because you know it's the centre forward issue there's who've we got out wide um, but as I say once that starts to settle it, settle itself down and I'm sure pick the distribution wheel too
0: yeah we just have so many questions about personnel, style it's just it's difficult yeah. to figure out There's, it's a lot to work out when you're still trying to figure out who should actually be starting what fits best with what Silva's doing is what Silva's doing right for, for what they have it's there's a lot of questions to try to work all that out.
1: Yeah, and you've got to say, well, obviously, with this January window now, you can say he's had he's had two windows. Obviously, he not been able to bring anyone in 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 the January. But, and I want something I want to get your opinion on, Jerry, I really don't think, in particular, the centre-halves, I don't think they're fit to this playing, playing off in the back style that Silva wants us to play. Like, I was watching, you know, whether it's Keane, whether it's Mina, whether it's Zuma. And I think they are three brilliant centre halves, and this is not a word against them in any sense, because you know they're very much a defender's defender. You know, the the mm-hmm. the 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 big, the strong, the tough. Not exactly the best with the feet, mm. but I feel like that's what Silva demands from his centre halves.
0: I, I feel like you look at a lot of Keane's passing statistics, and they look they look all right. You yeah, know, they look yeah,
1: Definitely better.
0: Better than uh, than I, I guess I would have thought when he came in to us in the beginning. I thought he was just a a big guy who could body up and uh, wasn't going to be blazing with speed. But I, I didn't realize. I mean, he was as, as intelligent or as skilled of a passer as he is. Um, I, as far as Mina and Zuma are concerned, it's tough because yeah. you know what's funny is i mentioned i mentioned keen he's the one i'm complimenting he's also the one with his with some of his uh touch the t- ball ball has bounced off his feet several times and given the other team valuable opportunities because it wasn't his feet weren't soft enough to kill the ball when he needed to so i'm complimenting the one that's actually given away some very obvious opportunities yeah it's funny like our main problems that what we've been giving up um mina now he may have been injured this past game that he played, but he gave up some silly opportunities on, on free kicks to the opposition where he was nowhere close to where to actually, you know, helping. Do you notice that high line we were playing on free kicks against Huddersfield? We were Mm. just super high and it almost kind of was trying to take away the potency and ability of their players to get in any kind of scoring position off of those kicks.
1: Yeah. to be honest, it's a weird one because obviously that's where we are so notoriously poor this season, defending free kicks. Mm-hmm. So it, I think it, it, it's good to see some, pro, you know, a proactive response. Mm-hmm. So that he's obviously said, you know what, right? We're conceding far too many goals from from our, you know, our current approach to the zonal mark and From Seppi, just switch it up a bit and play a high line. Obviously, we didn't concede. We ran the risk, but we didn't. So if that's something that, defend, that the defenders can conceptualize and pick up quicker,
0: mm-hmm.
1: then, but then run with it.
0: See, Max, when you're talking about playing out the back, here's a question, and we should probably end with that because we're, we're running long here. But uh, in our 1-0, uh, our 1-0 conversation, our 1-0 win, we're talking Huddersfield, it's just it's running long just because there's actually a lot of stuff that can stem from this. Um, mm. When you're a manager... And you want to instill a certain style that is your football philosophy. Do you cling like grim death to that style and and make the players that you feel like have the tools eventually and you, you, you rely on their ability to absorb and your ability to coach and manage? Or do you say, this is what I've got I need to adapt around it to give the best possible result now, instead of the best possible result a year from now.
1: If you're too stubborn, you get examples of, you know, the huge example coming from this past season, Jose Mourinho at Manchester United, mm. where you you seem you seem like to, you seem like you've got all the pieces, but it's for a completely different jigsaw. Yeah, you know what I mean. So yeah, you've got to accommodate for what you've got particularly when you're in a really poor financial situation as Marco Silva's landed himself in at Everton due to the misspendings of past regimes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You, you've got to adapt until you feel like you've, you know, recruited the correct players that can express the style of play that you want.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's, I was going to say, if you feel like the the, the center halves are giving the ball away too often from the back. If you notice a trend of that, then maybe you need to wait and train and make sure you've got the pieces around them to put them in the best possible position to be able to succeed. Mm. You know, and then maybe they can develop that. Um, But it's until... uh, They just have to be ready to handle it. That's all. Yeah. You know? Definitely. So, kind of a... Kind of a wishy washy response, but you know, <laughs> it's like, yes and no, Max. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, all right, so we should move on because, you know, this is a lot of stuff can stem from this game, although it's a seemingly innocuous 1 0 win. There's just a lot to discuss. It's weird because you want to be positive and optimistic, but the manner in which that game was won, you, 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 there's not a lot of comfort you can take from it, it's only little bits. Little mm. little snack of comfort from that win.
1: That's it. Only ways only ways up for me, really, nothing to play for, so mm. go for it. Mm.
0: I'm still I'm still hoping for Europa League, Max. I can't help it. I know. It's gonna kill me in the end, I know. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, I know, yeah. Max is like, You naive, naive fellow. I'm sorry, Max. <laughs> uh, uh so I guess that's it for our Huddersfield reaction. I am Jerry, joined by Max, and, uh, we've got wolves at the weekend, uh, and if you want to, if you, if you take it this way, maybe you're, you'd be depressed like Max and myself when we talk about the, the battle for seventh. It's, <clears throat> it's very eye-roll worthy, as Max just showed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and that's, but it's, it's the reality of the way it is right now. Um. They're they're a good squad, you know. They're they're quality. They're exciting. Um, so and they have some some players. Uh, you know, it's hard not to look at their their squad and think, oh, I'm jealous of some of these players. Yeah, you definitely. Know? Yeah,
1: <laughs> and you know what you've what you've got to contextualize is they they only they only just promoted. Yeah, Uh you know, first game of the season. We came up against them and, you know, it was almost this, you know, you don't know what to expect from them. But now as the season's panned out, and it, 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 it's an interesting one, Wolves being this strange project club that they are. Uh, mm-hmm. Chinese money, but heavy influence under George Mendez. It, it, success is just translating onto the pitch. Obviously, they won the championship last year and they conduced this style of football. I know they, they were quite rocky to start in the Premier League and, you know, took a few Ls, but some of these wins that they're coming out with, obviously you've got the, you know, the one that we will look back most fondly at, the knocking Liverpool out the cup. We thought we'd take advantage of that, but, oh, Everton, of course we didn't. But, you know, they beat Chelsea, they beat Tottenham away. Like, they are an exceptional team and they have got players that would walk into walk into top 16, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. Um they're currently 7th, 105 and 9 with 35 points. Uh
1: yeah. If I'm not wrong, we've we've only we've drawn one more game than that.
0: Yeah, we have uh, 33 points, I believe. Yeah. Um recently they beat West Ham 3-0. Uh, See, that's, that's that's another that's fantastic result. That's a yeah. big result, you know. That is I realize West Ham or not, we're not talking about them being like you know, a top six team. However, they're one of those teams in that middle in glut. You know yeah, what I mean? In the yeah. yeah. Um, and they drew their recent FA Cup match with a uh, Shrewsbury. Shrewsbury. It is Shrewsbury. See, I've heard somebody say Shrewsbury, and so <laughs> they were from they were from England. And I was like, I'm gonna play with the pronunciation and see if <laughs> how I do this. So, so, see, phonetically, it looks like Shrewsbury, but I tried to get fancy and be like, oh, I heard an English person say this. No. <laughs> oh, see, this is what I get. Uh, but then, uh, and re- and before that, the 4-3 win over Leicester. Yeah, that was an
1: absolutely incredible game. I remember watching that.
0: It was uh, Match of the Week. Uh, and I, I, we sat there as a family and watched... How, you know watch that and it was it was great it was, yeah. it was just a good game and the idea my pedestal you ready the idea that Nuno gets a red card gets dismissed for walking down the sideline and walking on the field a few steps and putting his hand and rubbing one of his players head and walking off he got dismissed for that and sent to the stands for that that I, I will say I think that's dumb
1: yeah, they just the officials are just looking for the spotlight sometimes, I think.
0: It's just another example of maybe the top 6 treatment being a little different than the rest of the league. Possibly. Just saying. And I, that was that's silly. Um possible starters, we know Rui Patricio, the solid keeper, Portuguese mm-hmm. uh international, just just a solid player with a lot of experience. Um, Bennett starting on the right, uh, Cody in the middle, Willie Boley on the left. Probably going with that three in the back with wingbacks, uh, mm-hmm. uh on one side, Dendonker and Nevis in the middle, Johnny on the side. Just like saying that, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Matinho kind of running that that number ten role, um, center mid. And then you've got uh, Raul Jimenez, the Mexican player who we were connected with when <sighs> Walsh was here, uh, but Benfica was quoting us an astronomical price. Uh, and Diogo Jota, uh, uh, I don't know if it's Jota or Jota because he's with, Jota. Yeah, it's Jota because he's is he Portuguese? Yeah, that's why. Or or yeah, so the pronunciation would be Jota. That's what I thought. Um, who got a hat trick?
1: Yeah, was it.
0: Yeah, I mean these are and they're they're danger men. Obviously, Ruben Neves, Jimenez, and, and Jota. There's your
1: yeah. Jimenez is banging them in, isn't he? Got two two against West Ham, and he's been scoring consistently throughout the season. And as you say, he's one of those players you'd love to have him. You'd absolutely love to have him. Yeah. But it just seemed, you know, by the way, it it getting to that point, it just wouldn't come to Everton. There's no reason for him to come to Everton.
0: Yeah, well, at least not right now. Yeah. I think he yeah. did want to come to us when we were interested, but we were, uh, the prices they were talking were way high for what his situation was. And mm. I think we chose Jing Tosun instead.
1: We'll see.
0: I mean, it was we'll going to be like the difference of like 15 million. So yeah. That's a big, that's a big What We've
1: been lately, so yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: I think in hindsight, everybody's like, why didn't we do that? But back then, he was doing nothing for Benfica, nothing for them, and was going to cost $15 million more than Jink Tosun, who had actually looked very solid in Champions League. And it actually – so, you know, hindsight, mm. I get what we, what we did, but then you're kind of like, damn, he looks good right now. I mean, this looks so good. Um, he just connects so well. He combines well with so many other players. He's
1: the the, the system of the wing back is uh, like it, it works so well in the team. The squad of players that they've got, it works so well. Mm-hmm. Like in, I think Doherty's is a really underrated player it, out of the wall. Where he bombs on and gets crosses into the box, and it just by nature creates opportunities for the mm-hmm. likes of Jimenez and Jota, who you know. Uh, you know they may not look it on the eye, but physically, you know, very strong and very quick players.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, other names that I immediately am drawn to, I, I'm like, ah, oh, Dindonker <laughs> We're Hi. familiar with that name, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, ah. how many how many different windows were we connected with him?
1: I don't know. I don't put as you as you know yourself. I don't put stock in. The multiple names we get linked with. Yeah. Well,
0: it's it's just the idea that there this team is just chocked full of those names. Yeah. You know?
1: Ruben, Nevers, Ruben Nevers is just absolutely sensational. He's I've, been banging, I've been, been banging on about him since he first, when he I think he captained Porto so when he was sixteen, and I don't understand why the rest of Europe didn't stand up and take notice at that time because, I, for the age that he is, he's just so good. Yeah, and you you know you pair that with the experience of Jan Moutinho in terms of the and it just worked really really well.
0: Um, he just seems to be a player though that he gets forward. You know what I mean? Like, and I almost think that kind of that leaves them a little bit vulnerable on the defensive side. If he's getting forward that often, I think counterattack is possible as long as they're. As long as their wing backs, because their wing backs would have to be forward as well. You know what Pin I mean? Paying
1: forward. Yeah, well, you know, as you've seen, they do concede a lot of goals. We're going mm-hmm. on about them like they're, you know, they're the best team in the world, but they're not. They do concede a lot of goals. But then you look at Everton. Are we going to create the chances that are necessary to, to take advantage of that? That's a different story. What approach are we going to take? Are we just going to swing balls into the box? We don't know. We don't know. Who we're going to roll with up front. It is a very peculiar one because, obviously, for that um, for the Huddersfield game, he made five changes. So it's almost as if he, after that Millwall game, he's just kind of seen the team sheet and went, right, here we go, starting again. So you don't know what approach he's going to take for the Wolves game. You, you know, you'd like to think he'd he carry on with the likes of Tosin, who, you know, showing like they're going to play really well in Davies, but. As you say, you've got to just who might possibly be coming back into the squad, which I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I do think he'd start if he was to, you know, not go to PSG. But oh, it's a tricky one because you don't know, after after the you know the last two months, January and December in particular, you just don't have much faith in Everton, do you?
0: It would not shock me if Davies starts alongside Andre Gomez. Just because just a gay's head may not be in the right place,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, and if you're the manager and 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 your player has put in a transfer request, if that's true, which we have no idea uh at the very least he it's very it seems clear that he does want to go um and you've just recently had a game where the player who would be replacing him played well. Then there's going to be a temptation for Silva to play davies yeah you know at I mean? home
1: too yeah.
0: I, I, part of me does as well, you know uh because if he just continues playing well there then it's ridiculous to to bench him right What's yeah, the basis it, exactly mm.
1: i'd li- i'd like to say, I'd, I'd, you know I'd like to think the fact that he came in replacing Adris gay that that may be a you know a good sign, and I, you know, you come in at the side and like listen, you've got to do a bit of what Adrissa does. You've got to, you know, mm-hmm. chip in and do some sort of a similar job to to what he does. And uh, as we said earlier, responding to the game, that second half performance, he really did put a good defensive shift in.
0: And Sigurdsson as well, actually. I think I feel like he led the team in tackles during that that's game. If he, which, did, if he did, I-, I mean, have we said that ever? You know what I mean? Mm. Like it's, and that's him also picking up the. The, the Ghana slack, you know, um, that, that, if we take the same approach, I don't know, we may get, uh, I, I always worry about our team speed when in the center, when Davies and Sigurdsson start, it's not, I mean, they're not blazingly quick and you've got playing against some players here in Neves and Moutinho in the middle who are quick players mm. and quick thinking. Um, but uh, I don't know. I think, that, I think that's – I feel like we could end up seeing some very similar names on the team sheet uh, come Saturday. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, what's your prediction, Max?
1: 2-2. Oh. Two, two.
0: You. 2-2. Two two, I picked that as well. And if you pick that and I pick that, then it's definitely going to be a six-nil win for somebody.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I, I know it's, I know it's a repeat of the first fixture, but it just, it just looks like one of them games, doesn't it? Where there's going to be goals. I don't
0: trust. I don't necessarily trust us to get a clean sheet. No. Having said that, I don't, I, I don't know that I trust them to cl- get a clean sheet either. And so. I don't know. I don't see a lot of evidence of one team being a lot stronger than the other right now. So, uh, yeah. So Basically, with a little bit of positivity, if we had drawn on Tuesday, I think I would have picked a loss in this one. Because that would have just been just everybody has is infected with the melancholy. But a little bit of positivity, playing at home, possibly some, you know, Jink Tosin getting getting the crowd riled up, you know, that would be nice. Uh, I guess we'll see, but that's it for our Wolves preview. And we're back. Uh, Max is still here. I'm I'm still Jerry, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about football in the U.S. We're going to take it away from Everton for a little while. Um, for our sanity? Question mark. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, it's funny. Like this is the kind of stuff that me and Max talk about anyway. Um, when we're off camera, we we talk about. Uh, uh, about about football in the U.S. Just because it's it's such a strange entity, you know what I mean? It's good conversation, and being somebody from from here, um, I'm on the inside, and uh, and I've got kids that I know are, are going to want to keep playing for for a long time, and so you start studying this league and and the U.S. as a as a football country. Um, so so Max, uh, the thinking here is I'm going to throw out a bunch of categories uh as jump off points and i'll let you pick and we'll go from there all right Mm -hmm. so um pulisic to chelsea i have to start with that just because it was one of the biggest u.s football stories uh period of the year massive fee Mm -hmm. um almiron just went to uh newcastle uh for Mm -hmm. a pretty big fee for MLS believe it's a record fee um U.S. national team under Burr who just got the got the gig uh from Columbus Crew uh Tyler Adams just moved from uh New York Red Bull to uh RB Leipzig and had a debut a good one uh Sebastian Giovinco sold from Toronto to Al Hilal um uh, the MLS draft system, the Super Draft system, which I don't know that any other league has anything like it. Uh, and the the whole college, like university path to, to pro. Uh, MLS culture, because it, it's almost like big chunks of it are sort of like copying other leagues. However, when you watch an Atlanta game, it doesn't feel like it's from another league. So we'll talk mm-hmm. about that. Um, the relationship between the leagues. We were talking off camera about how a lot of the best players are going to Bundesliga and how they're starting to develop like a, a pipeline. And uh, and we could talk to Tim Weah, just because he's a really good player uh, from PSG. Uh, on loan at Celtic now, which we were talking about debating whether or not that's a, a good move for him or not to go on loan. So yeah, what are you, what are you into, Max? What do you want?
1: I'm sure we'll touch on it variety of the of the different topics, but I felt it would be relevant to start on so Miguel Almiron signing for Newcastle. And I'll just I'll get the ball rolling with just some interesting facts about the transfer. I live with, obviously I'm on a, a sports media course at university and someone else on the course is a, is a Newcastle fan, um, and this is the first time in 14 years that Newcastle have broke their transfer fee. <laughs> Michael Owen back on August 31st, 30, 2005, 30, for 16.8 million. I think this is 20 million, if I'm not wrong. In that time, Lionel Messi only had one goal for Barcelona. Atlanta United did not exist. Rafa Benitez, who's now Newcastle manager, had just won the Champions League at Liverpool. Pep Guardiola had just started playing in the Qatar, Qatar Stars League. And JJ Akotche had just capped in big Sam Bolton side, and he went for cuff.
0: <laughs> wow, that's a long mm. stretch. It is. That's a long stretch. We talk. You, you hear the? Mo- I think one of the most common things you hear about Newcastle is uh, the reluctant uh, owners to uh, to op- you know, empty their pockets and actually yeah. make the big purchases. Um, this is a big one in, in terms of. U.S. football. It's massive. Uh, Almiron is not a U.S. international. He's a Paraguay international. However, uh, he was a standout player for Atlanta this season. Really fun player to watch.
1: Yeah, really influential in the men in the NFL. Cool.
0: Yeah, watching him, uh, he just kind of uh, dictates the play. He feeds uh, Josef Martinez often. he uh, He's a... a He's, he' uses guile he 's just an intelligent player he 's got quickness speed, but what was the one thing we were thinking might uh, might not work out for him too well? We were talking about this yesterday
1: the slightness of frame you, you say he has this quickness you say, you say he has this agility the big question mark is how does that translate to the Premier League um We, we were talking yesterday as well I remember a few years back when. Newcastle brought this influx of French players and one of those was Remy Cabella and I remember Newcastle fans saying he's just so skinny, he gets knocked off the ball all the, all the time and he just can't really seem to get a foothold in games I've watched Almer on a few times I'm a big fan of his just to throw a few more stats at it, yeah. in his 62 MLS appearances he's got 21 goals and 21 assists which I think is pretty solid you know, for a creative midfielder just a matter of how Newcastle, will use him. I know, I know you've got your thoughts on that.
0: Yeah. Initially, you see on social media people saying that he's a striker. For everybody listening, he is not. He's not a striker. He's more of a center attacking mid, more of a number 10. Um, so he is a creator. And I think you'll see him playing behind Rondon often. You know, I just. Uh, I, I, I can just see that happening. Uh, however, uh, he worked really well with Josef Martinez, who is more of an Aguero build. So, who knows? You could end up seeing him with uh, uh, brain farting on what the the little striker from Spain is named. Jose Perez. Yes, Jose Perez. Yeah, I, Jose Perez may be a little bit more similar of a of a partnership as he had that he had in Atlanta so the cool thing about a player like this if he adjusts to the physicality is the I think you'll you'll see that he's a pretty versatile player he's intelligent he's very smart Um, Mm -hmm. and you hope that you see someone like um, David Silva he's not a big guy he's a very slight guy and he's managed to work in this league Um, so it's possible for the the guys who haven't hit the weight room and are not enormous up top it's possible for them to succeed in the middle it's just not it's the exception and not really the yeah. rule you know and that's yeah. the main that's the main concern i think you'll you'll see him playing behind uh, right right now i think rondon is their main striker though i think he's earned it in newcastle so that's why i think you'll see him w- w- the way you'll see him used often yeah. Um, and not with not a lot of defensive responsibility. I don't see that happening much for Omicron. For
1: They're quite an industrious team, as is. And we know the way Rafa Benitez likes to set his team up. And I'm sure he'll absorb his record sign and a defensive responsibility. You know, a lot of freedom to go and play. I don't know if i talking about it just off camera then. But it, it, it seems to be an interesting one, the relationship between the MLS and the Premier League. There are a lot of high-profile examples. Of player, and I hate to use the term retirement league, but as I mentioned to you then off camera, that I feel like the dynamics changed a lot over the past couple of years in MLS. But obviously, you've got your examples of uh, Lampard, Gerard, you can go with further afield, Perlo, back in the day, Robbie Keane, uh, David Beckham, all, you know, all high profile players moving from Europe to MLS. But on the, on the flip side to that, joining the Premier League from the MLS, the, the, the biggest example of that are Everton plays, in my opinion, you know. He, I know we talked about Manchester United first, but you got Tim Howard, mm-hmm. you got Land, Landon Donovan when he had his few spells at us. Other than that, really, anyone in your memory come to come to England and, and succeed almost?
0: How did I uh, see? I don't remember where Brian McBride came from. I'm pretty certain he was from MLS when he came. I just yeah. don't know how successful he was. I know he he, I know he scored, I know he produced some goals, but, uh, I mean, coming straight over from MLS, it's, it's a really tough move. Um, Mm. we talked about DeAndre Yedlin off, off camera, as far as like him coming to Spurs and he was not a success, uh, immediately, which is why he's at Newcastle now. Um, Mm. but he is a starter now. He's a regular starter, um, which is, which is impressive. Uh, uh, he's been the U.S. national team starter for a while. Um, I feel like typically the deal is you've seen keepers make the move more often than field players. Yeah, Brad Guzan like is an example. Besides Tim Howard, um, and I think you'll see. And I know the. I feel like Zach Steffen actually just got by Man City. Got bought by Man City. I don't think that he's going to be playing for them anytime soon but um he's the keeper from he's the US national team keeper right now he's the starter and yeah. he he's from Columbus crew so uh there are there are I feel like it's being respected more I feel like the development of these players is is better uh the league as far as MLS is a league it's a quicker league now there are quicker players yes but the league is much better as far as the training so now there's not these enormous gaps in terms of the urgency of play. When you used to watch them, it was inaccurate pass, receive the ball, wait a minute, inaccurate pass, you know what I mean? And it was really slow.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I'm speaking on behalf of myself here. I've got a stereotypical view of maybe not just American players, but MLS players as, as a whole. physically, they always seem to be very athletic and, uh, and capable, and they always seem to have re- something in the locker, whether that be really really strong or really really quick. But technically, they always seem to have a huge lapse in the game. Say the first touch won't be very good, or they'll always fall to pieces in front of goal, something like that. Like, I mean, Almeron's an interesting one. I, I consider him quick. Obviously, he's not he's not bulky. He's not huge by any sense. So it'll be interesting to see, and you know, he's Paraguayan, so maybe maybe schooled a bit better technically than yeah. say some of the American lads would. But it'd be interesting to see how technically he up to the league.
0: There is a heavy, heavy, heavy Central American and South American influence in MLS now. That is where you are seeing a lot of purchases, uh, more Argentinian players than you would believe. Um mm-hmm. a lot of the recent purchases uh, coming into MLS now, are Argentinian. Um, So I think the mix, the intermingling of those players with a lot of the academy players that have been coming up, the players that are brought in through the college ranks, the Super Draft, um, it's helping the U.S. players uh, to actually, it's helping their touch, it's helping their tactics. That's what I thought. It's, It's just been tactically... Their process, their mental process, the idea of being able to to think, you know, and instinctively know, okay, when this ball's coming in, this is what I'm going to do because this is what our tactics are as a squad. Part of it has to do with management, but part of it has to do with being able to understand tactics from an early age and being given that kind of management at an early age.
1: I'm glad that you brought that up for what you're going to say. From a grassroots perspective, because the fact that America isn't a... Football isn't the first sport in America. How heavy is, do you think of the factor that is?
0: Uh, very. I, I, I always say America, it's very typical for a kid growing up here to play throughout the span of a year, a season of basketball, a season of baseball, a season of soccer, and maybe a season of some kind of like flag football or something okay? Um, In addition to any other, like, fun activities and things. We're talking, it's really spread out, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, my kids do a little bit of that, but frankly, they've just been so attracted to certain sports that they're cutting out some of the other ones as we go. So my kid's six, and he really only plays uh, a little bit of basketball, a lot of Of soccer and he's in a a running group a track group okay and that's it and mainly the track is to get in shape for for playing soccer so that's that's the Uh, thing i feel like there's too many options we say don't burn them out but at the same time they're not ready if they're like that's my problem growing up i played every sport Okay, I had so many options, and yes, I never got burned out on one of the sports. I always, but when I got to high school, honestly, I didn't feel like an absolute expert in any of them, and I ended mm. up playing college soccer, you know what I mean? Because I worked really hard, but when I compare myself to, to MLS players now, those kids were, were having tactical training, impressive training at age five and six. Yeah. You know, And that's where you start to see Christian Pulisic. All right? He's got touch. The ball's not bouncing far away from him. He plays with intensity, with urgency. And you, you, you watch a player like Messi, the brain is moving just as fast as the feet. Yep. Pulisic is, is, is doing a lot of the same stuff. Not on the same level, obviously. I'm not saying the same type of play. But I, it's a similar trait that I'm mm-hmm. starting to see in some of these American youth players. It's the brain moving as quickly as the feet. You know? And yeah. it's because they are, they've gotten training from such an early age and they've dedicated themselves to it.
1: Yeah. I was going to say cu- culturally, culturally, what, what's the state of coaching in America? <laughs> You've got strong feelings on that one.
0: Yeah. Um, rec... Rec is rec coach. It's volunteer coaches. Mm. And the majority of them have never played, or if they played at all, they played a couple of seasons of rec when they were little. Okay? The the point of of U.S. rec soccer is for the kids to have fun and not to want to quit. That's the main – they don't want them to quit. Instead of pushing them competitive or anything like that, it's very – it's a lot of hand-holding and a lot yeah. of – Young age, and honestly, this extends to some of the academy stuff. It is, there's still a little bit of hand holding up and through a certain age. And
1: trophies for taking part.
0: Yes, that is every, That's just a given, Max. That is yeah. an absolute given. I mean, the 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 my my kid is six. If he played rec, I don't even know if they keep scoring rec at that age.
1: No, that's not good.
0: And they don't have referees actually until the age of six. Now. Counter that, compare that, contrast that is a better word to the Latino league that my my kid plays in. And when he was age, when he first turned six, instead of having, you know, uh, actually when he was five, he started playing when he was five, there were seven players on the field, including a keeper. And there were referees and there were offsides. And they were actually calling fouls. They had throw-ins because – at that age, my, when my son, his league had no throw-ins. They were just putting the ball down and there were no refs. And the coaches were like throwing the ball back in and going, go. Yeah. All right. And that's, that's the way it works. Now, some kids need that, Max. I want to be clear. Some kids need that. They need to be nurtured. But. Yeah,
1: the, edu- the educational element.
0: Yeah. It's tough, man. Now, my kid plays junior academy. He's getting training now from gosh one of his coaches played with pele on the new york cosmos okay um so the the level of training it's good to a certain extent but they definitely take it easy on the young kids big time which part of me like i wish i I wish it was actually a little more harsh on my kid you know um so it's it's very feast or famine with the training for the kids here. It's very either they're getting fantastic training, or it's practically non-existent, and there is no middle ground.
1: That, that is only hindered the, the development no. in my eyes. Yeah, I, feel, no. I, feel, I feel like I, feel, I, 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 I I remember when I played, I, I played, and we had you know we had call them referees, that you know. That likeness to the real game helps develop the player mentally, physically, tactically. It's so important.
0: Yeah.
1: So I, I do. I, I think that the MLS is an interesting market to to watch because I do think it's going to boom over over the next ten to fifteen years. I think this is just the start now. Obviously, you're seeing like the to, to Chelsea. I think there are going to be many more over the years to come. Um. I, you know, fingers crossed they are going to start making their mark, and it won't just be an, an abstract list of Landon Donovan on loan and, uh, and Tim Howard who played for Manchester United and Everton. Mm. You know, they, hopefully, there'll be a few more to add to the list. Which, so if Almiron does well for Newcastle, how, how do you think it'd be likely for
0: someone to, to pick him up and take notice? Yeah. I mean, in short, I think it's when you have a player come in who's a success, and let's be honest, that is an inflated fee for MLS. But in this, in this, in the in the world of European football, that is not a really expensive fee right now. You know, somebody they could be getting a starting number ten player for twenty million, which is super cheap.
1: I know Atlanta only paid six million for them two years prior. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. As soon as they, that's a good, that's a good point to bring up. Actually, as soon as they hit European shores, their valuation is going to go crazy. Yeah, particularly play yeah. well.
0: It's. It, it, I mean, you only look at at Pulisic. Okay, he went to Bundesliga and played well. Played well. He's a good player. However, his fee compared to Almiron's fee. And both of them could be starters in the league next year. However, it's very probable that Almirón will get more games at Newcastle than Pulisic will, despite the fact, and he could be more of an impact player. Yeah, it, 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 and that's—I mean—it's at least thirty million difference. That's a huge, and the difference is one came from Bundesliga because, and one has played in—he's played in higher-profile matches, so he's more battle-tested. So there's, I think, uh, Pulisic, I think, does have a higher likelihood of success. 30 million is a huge difference, though. That's a massive difference. So if Almiron comes in and just shows, honestly, flickers of promise, you're going to see a lot more players coming over. It's just, I don't know if they'll be American-born, like American players, U.S. national players. I think a lot Mm -hmm. of them may be South American players that we brought in. So it's going to depend
1: I think the the pool's so big. I think that's just to be expected now, though.
0: Mm. Yeah, I just uh, it, it's a weird league now. It's a much better league to watch now. I I for a while there, I couldn't watch it. It was unwatchable. You try to watch an MLS game after watching a Premier League game, and they look like different sports. And you throw yeah. up a little in your mouth. But <laughs> now, <coughs> now at least it's entertaining. At least you see that there's. There's flickers of promise there's a faster game in MLs now it's more entertaining you can start seeing styles developing for certain clubs. It didn't used to be that way now it is mm-hmm. that way it's uh I would recommend watching the league now. I think there's actually good football to be had you know especially at times when there is no other leagues playing yeah. during the summer MLs is one of the only teams one of the only games going so so yeah i've I've got I've got a lot of opinions about American soccer development and everything, but also I have a lot to learn about it too. I want to make it clear just because my kid plays here and just because I used to play here and just because I live here and I study, I don't know everything about this. I don't. So if I sound like I'm shooting my mouth off, uh, Hey, I'm just going based on experience right now. I, I have a lot to learn still. so.
1: No, I, I, hope we, I hope we talk about it more in the future because I'm, I'm, I'm really fascinated by it and, as we said, you know, there's a whole host of to- topics to go over to talk about. So yeah, hopefully we we'll do more of these in the future.
0: Yeah, of course. And and we left. Gosh, there's like eight topics that we haven't even touched when it comes to this. So oh. we can definitely get there sometime. So I guess next time we have a good opportunity to do it, let's let's do it because this is you know this is fun. Um, so Max, I guess that's it uh, for. Uh, for the the big show, the the podcast for the people who are listening out there, thanks so much for listening. We sincerely appreciate it. Subscribe to the Toffee Blues podcast. Rate it if you can. Uh, leave us a kind a kind review. You know, if it's not going to be kind, you know, you can just give it a pass. It's fine. Uh, so if you uh, also if you want to see our faces, check out the Toffee Blues YouTube channel. We are slowly growing that channel, and, and gosh, we started it. We started doing all this at the worst possible time. Uh, and it's somehow still growing, so it's it's just crazy. Uh, I'm I, I think we feel pretty lucky for what it is right now. Um, cool. <laughs> so uh, if you want if you want more Max, check his Twitter feed. He'll tell you when he's going to be where. Um, uh, but he'll definitely be showing up on the Toffee Blues website, where he provides analysis uh, on that site. And honestly, a lot of other contributors you may recognize their names from our show. Uh, they a lot of good folks, smart folks uh, contributing to the Toffee Blues website. Um, also follow the Toffee Blues on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all all the hot social. All right, so I guess that's it, Max. Let's uh, let's have a let's have a good one, man. Let's have a good. Uh, let's get three points somehow. Let's from from Wolves. You know, I I'd like to hop That'd them in the table.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. All right, Max. Thanks so much, man. Thanks for your time.
1: As always, take it easy.
0: All right, and for everybody else, uh, bye.